It's time for Cofield and Company. Six seconds left. Stewart with five. Draws the double. Lady to the corner. Anders loose. No! And that is it! An unforgettable finish to game four. A resilient conclusion to a remarkable season. From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. You heard it. Once again, Las Vegas, a city of champions is the Las Vegas Aces. Put a bow on it. Win their second consecutive WNBA Finals title. What a night for Las Vegas. And what a time to be a sports fan in Sin City as well. It's Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Steve Cofield, who will be back tomorrow. Devon Cotton is alongside as well. He's actually really far away from me, across from me. Um, I wanted to sit far away because I didn't want to chance our body heat getting mixed up here, considering that my protest on, what was that, Monday or Tuesday, whatever day it was? Monday, right? Monday, Monday, yes. Yeah. Only day we've been in studio. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, apparently my protest went unheeded. So if you don't think that I'm done with this protest – you got another thing coming. It's been a wild day. I've been running around. I was driving on the 15. This is a PSA. My friend, if you're out there, if you're a listener of the Lotus Broadcasting and Sister Station Network here at LV Sports Network, you know, Fox Sports, ESPN Las Vegas, I hope you are. There was a man driving a, I don't know what kind of car it was. It was like a silver sedan type vehicle. The right side of his bumper in the back, all the way up to like the wheel well, was torn off and still stuck to the car. So, essentially, this person driving this vehicle had a piece of their bumper sticking out about two and a half feet into the other lane and was just driving around Las Vegas. It was one of the wildest things I've ever seen. Like, it was almost, you know, this is going to be a reference I don't think you're going to get. You ever play games like like Twisted Metal? Does that Does that register with you at all? Yes, it does. Right, like the car fights and stuff like that. You know, sometimes in some of these, I think maybe Batman did it every once in a while, where like the spikes come out of the wheel, and then you like re, you know you you swipe into somebody so you can like damage the car, pop the tires. It's exactly what this person was doing. PSA, like maybe get off the road or just tear it off. Like give up. It's like Steve with the hair, right? Just call it. <laughs> just call it. Just call it. You don't need to save the bumper. I I almost it was amazing. I, I watch a lot of you guys drive. It's amazing. You don't drive. You driving now? Am I driving? I've been driving. You got a car back? Uh, not my car, no. Oh, what is happening? Did you not get the money from the person who owes you money? I got the money. Okay. But not all of the money. But enough to make enough for the car payment, though. So now we need to cover the the, the, the yard fee, huh? Yeah. The you willing to say how much is it? I got back 1500 and then No, how much is the fee that you got to pay? How much are you short? Oh, 14 Wow, only $14? I can give that to you. Yeah. Problem is that racks up by day, doesn't it? Does it? No, I hope not. I hope not for your sake, too. I hope not. It, it should be the same price that it was last week. It better be the same price last week when you took the car, or I don't want it anymore. How about that? It better be. I don't think you're in a position to, to negotiate. Oh, am I not? I mean, I don't think so. You keep the car. Take it off my hands. Thank you. What kind of a car are we talking about here? A Toyota Prius. What year? 2010. That's still pretty good. I can go get another Prius. I mean, can you? <laughs> I just got fifteen hundred dollars. It's a good point. It's a good down payment on a used car. <laughs> Go grab another one. <laughs> I feel like the bank won't want to know where the other one's at, though. And I'll do it on the next car. <laughs> and the one after that. Hey, you know what? Times are tough. 
I was telling my wife the other day, we went out, uh, where were we the other day? I think we were at uh, at Target. And you know, like, the, I have all the snacks at the uh, checkout. And she went to go grab, like, a ba- bag of Cheetos for the kids. I slapped her hand. I was like, what do you think? What are you doing? <laughs> you know how much all the stuff that we're buying is right now? We can't afford that. That's two ninety eight. Two ninety eight. The man, inflation is going insane. Inflation has gone insane, and the amount of air in the bags of chips that you buy has increased. Shrinkflation is what they call it's, it. It's absolute insanity. It's absolute insanity. We are going to celebrate the Aces championship here coming up in a moment, and uh, we'll keep track of everything going on as the NLCS is about to get started. We're going to bring this up with Xavier Pope, who's going to join us at the bottom of this hour. Coming up in 10-2, by the way, Caleb uh, Herring is going to be with us to discuss uh, everything. I was going to say Caleb Williams. Uh, and discuss everything when it comes to UNLV, who has a massive matchup with Colorado State this weekend. Did you see – so this game's starting at 2 o'clock, obviously, and it's a game in Arizona. Did you see the ticket prices for this? No, but I'm sure it's pretty low. Nobody's going. 20 bucks. Get you into the NLCS. But is this fan base just quitting on the team that quit on them when they got blown out the other night? <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, wait, what? No. You don't quit. What do you mean they quit? They just got destroyed. Philly's a Philly's a, Philly's a wagon, man. I'm a Phillies fan now. Well, you have to be. They have two Vegas kids. Yeah. They went to a party on Friday. Anymore. You went to a party on Friday? I'm going to one on Friday. What is it? A Phillies party? Yeah. What? I think so, unless my friend gave me bad directions. Uh, well, yeah, when's game? What game are we in now? This is going to be game three in the NLCS. Yeah, game three. Well, game four, he said, hey, come over, watch the game. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to a Phillies party. So, it's like a it's a Phillies watch party? Yeah. I had no idea. Well, it's just at his house. Oh, so he's a Philly fan. Yeah. Okay, I get it. I get it. Okay. So, but in turn, I'm a fan. Well, I mean, again, you have to be. Bryson Stott, Bryce Harper, Vegas guys. Vegas, of course, just a sports hotbed. So how are we feeling? Aces, get it done. Uh, by the way, under duress, right, when you have two key players that aren't going to be available for you, the Liberty have a shot at it at the end with no time left, down by one. Shot doesn't fall. Put back is way late. So the Aces get it done. They win their second consecutive WNBA championship. How are we feeling, huh? I saw the, the, the video of them flying in last night. They got the water salute down at the, uh, what are we calling that place now? Harry Reid International? Yes. You fired up? Are we fired up about this? I am fired up. Last night really showed me as I was watching that game, Asia Wilson's the best player in the world. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any question. The best Uses play- the target self-checkout just like me and you. The oh, one on one Boca the- Park. Yep, the one at Boca Park. She walked by us. So, you know, We were all checking out. She was there getting whatever she needed. And I told my wife, I was like, look, she's just like us. Just using target checkout, wearing slides and socks, just trying to get in and get out. Just like you and me, except the greatest women's basketball player on the planet. Yes, I'm surprised that you didn't, you know, media, the, you know, media the player. You know, you, you understood to respect the privacy, right? Well, that, and I haven't covered a second of the WNBA in my time here, right? So I don't know if it'd be fair to be like, hey, media member John Von Tobel, how you doing? You want to do an interview while you're buying scented candles and lotion here at uh, Target? I don't think that would be like the, the most appropriate time. Although I did try to get my wife because. She has an appreciation. She doesn't watch a lot of sports, but she has an, a, an appreciation and affinity for female athletes. And try to tell her, like, just go up to her and tell her, she, you know, tell her, hey. Like, I gave her a generic thing to say. Like, hey, you're having a great season. Or, like, hope you win it again. <laughs> you know, like, I tried to, tried to get Isabel to just throw generic positive sports statement at her to see what she would do. Now she wouldn't do it. That's a bummer. But, yes, Asia Wilson. Best player in the world. But, no, the, the controversy. Mm. When you win that regular season MVP 
and you're playing against the former MVP in the finals, you got to show up. The entire Liberty team last night, it looked like the lights were too bright. Going into halftime, I said, yeah, you know what? The Aces, maybe they just don't have this one. You know, who knows? But that third quarter, they came out, they punched them right in the mouth, and they didn't stop. So for me, the Liberty, the Liberty, even with the last shot of the game with Courtney Vandersloot, she airballed it. The lights were too bright. Sabrina Ionescu, you know, cover of 2K. You've got the signature sneaker. I know that your game isn't to be, hey, I'm just going to take over, but she's got the three-point shot. Ball didn't even touch her hands on the last play of the game, but they did want to give it to Brianna Stewart, the MVP. But to me, the entire team, they did try to build a super team in a few months, as Kelsey Plum said. Mm. And, hey, the chemistry just wasn't there when they needed it the most. Did you see that um, – I, I know that Ionescu was among the, some of the teammates for the Liberty that were fined today by the WNBA. Oh, I didn't see this. No, because this is what happens, Devon. And this is – you know, you deserve to get called to the carpet here. When you lose, lose a grace with a plum. I think that's the right way to do that. I don't know if, what that word really means. A plum? A plum? Whatever. It's a plum now because Kelsey Plum's a two-time MVP or excuse me, a two-time WNBA champion. They did not do their media availability after the game. Key members of the Liberty decided that we lost. I don't want to talk to the media. Show up and do your job, huh? Would have showed up if you won that game. Would have showed up if you forced the game back in Vegas. Oh, but no, you lost. So now all of a sudden it's like, no, I can't do it. Sorry. Nope. You deserve all the criticism of the world. Lose with some grace, some humility. That's what we do here in Sports Talk Radio. I'm going to call you to the carpet. Sabrina, I, Sabrina Ionescu. Huh? Like you said, try to put together a team to take down the Aces, and then after you lose, you can't even show up. Can't face the music. Disgusting. Did I sell that? That was good, right? You did. 69187. Co-word ESPN. Just tip, t- like, tap dance on the graves of the New York Liberty and their loss in the WNBA Finals. Night, night. That's right. Question. We'll answer this maybe a little bit later. Maybe it's too – maybe – do I dare ask this the day after they win the championship? How long does Becky Hammond here? I'll give her two more seasons. Two? Rumors about flirting with Toronto this uh, this offseason. She's interviewed for multiple jobs. Remember years ago when there was a thought that I think it was Colorado State had an opening that maybe she was going to talk to them about that? You think two more? I think she only wants an NBA job. Yeah. Well, goes, I, yeah, I don't think she's leaving for college. I was just throwing out that she's been in the mix for quite a few different gigs. And I know like NBA coaches get turned over all the time, but what would be the right job for her? Obviously, you can't be too picky when it comes to these jobs, but who do you see as the NBA season's coming up? Who do you think would be fired this season? Oh, you never know. Ex- yeah, so we don't know who that team's going to be yet. But I, So maybe not this season, but the next. So, yeah, two more seasons maybe. It does help that the – it doesn't quite align very well, right? The seasons and whatnot, and interviewing for a job and everything like that. But I don't want to ask because, look, generally when you ask that question, it's a good thing. You've been having a lot of success. You've won consecutive champions. You don't want to break up something that's been tra- like tremendous. But Hammond showed, especially yesterday, to put together – I mean, you heard quotes before the game. Like, hey, defensively, we got something. We're going to put something out there. We've got an idea of what we want to do here against Liberty. We're down two players, but we know what we want to do schematically. And that showed up in a really big way, especially that third quarter where they limited them to 12 points. We'll have more on this in the future of the Aces. And, uh, you know, it's it's a good point to build on later in the show, which is kind of like Damon said, when you have a team like this, it's about building, right? You can't just put it all together at once. you got to build on a foundation and kind of move forward. Having said that, there are examples of near-instant success. One of those, 
I mean, it's kind of what Barry Odom's doing for UNLV. Let's find out more about that with Caleb Herring who's going to join us next. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. Cofield and Company without the aforementioned Steve Cofield. John Von Tobel filling in for Steve. He'll be back tomorrow when we were live over at Golden Circle Sportsbook Bar inside TI at 3 p.m. Get an early start today, as is the case, because Thursday night football between the former lover, Derek Carr and the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll have more on that matchup coming up in a little bit. But as you heard, Caleb's with us here today to talk a little bit of UNLV football. Uh, Caleb, I am wondering, uh, as I have told you many times before, you should be stomping around the Fertitta football complex like a god, considering that you are the uh, last quarterback to lead UNLV to a bowl. But that title is at risk. How does that make you feel that you might have to give that thing up? It, it feels great, honestly. Like I, 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 It's one of those things I don't want to be the case anymore. I'm, I'm <laughs> sick of that being the title. It's because it's a bad reflection on the university, right? It shouldn't be that long. It shouldn't be that way. There should be a standard of, of bowl games uh, that we aspire to as a, as a rebel football community. And I think that is kind of the sentiment I get from Barry Odom where it's like, yeah, that's cool and all, but that going to a bowl game at other universities is not a big deal. Right. And that's a part of the mindset that uh, UNLV is trying to get to. And that, championship caliber teams get to I, I mean Fresno State probably doesn't even remember the last time they didn't go to a bowl game I don't know if anybody would probably say it off the top of their head so that's it's one of those things that yeah I take good pride in it I, I appreciate my place in the community's history but I would love for that to not be how I'm introduced anymore I, I, I think this actually might be the year that 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 uh, intro falls off where nobody remembers me as that anymore and maybe I start to get remembered as just you know a quality broadcast guy I mean, there's been two starting quarterbacks, though, so far, so maybe you still get to hold the title, right? It's been a joint effort, so maybe we'll keep, we'll keep giving it to you. Uh, the last quarterback to uh, do it on his own. How about that? No. So let me ask you this. As you head into a game like this against Colorado State, obviously one win gets you there to eligibility. Do you remember the emotions of, like, right before you guys were heading into games where bowl eligibility was on the line? Was there, was there a different mindset to it? Was there an excitement? Because if I remember correctly, you guys didn't get bowl eligible until pretty late in the season, right? Yeah, it was our second to last game, and it was a road game against Air Force uh, that we were the underdog in for a lot of reasons, because Air Force is Air Force, and playing there in late November, it was freezing, there was a blizzard, it was minus 13 degrees, their coldest game in their stadium on record, so uh, the odds were against us, right? So going up there and winning it, I do remember the anticipation, I do remember um, the, I guess, anxiety of getting close to the finish line as far as getting bowl eligibility and that being one of the uh, biggest milestones that we had on our goal board for, as a team. Uh, and so I did, I do remember the nerves. And there's a couple games where we were close. I know Utah State went down to the wire, uh, but that game was the second to last against Air Force where we, we finally got bowl eligibility. We celebrated like crazy. And then we followed up with a, a big win against San Diego State. So I do remember the anticipation, but then I remember even more the relief, the sense of relief of, of celebrating that, getting it out of the way, and then being able to finish the season on senior night and uh, go on to, to bigger and better goals, which was the bowl game. So uh, I think the sense around the, the locker room that I get, again, from Barry Odom is that, yes, bowl eligibility is a milestone. They understand and recognize that, but they aspire to be bigger and better than just bowl eligibility. I think, I think one, jockeying for position for quality bowl games and, and being near the top as far as that, competing for conference championships and 
um, and so on and so forth. So uh, the bowl game and bowl eligibility are within reach already. Uh, we've been close before in recent history. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'll say everybody should know that, you know, you got to finish the race. But I think Coach Odom and the bunch have, have the right mindset going into this one, handling business in conference and, and getting to those bigger in-season goals while getting bowl eligibility along the way. So as we look ahead to what this matchup against Colorado State is going to entail, one of the things that sticks out when you look at Colorado State uh, in terms of their metrics Defense has been extremely poor, uh, 99th in terms of overall EPA per play allowed and other different metrics, of course, paint a pretty poor picture for this Colorado State team. Needed a desperate comeback against Boise State. So what are you watching for? Are we looking at, again, quarterback play here for UNLV? Do we expect this rushing, uh, this running attack to, again, dominate? What is your, uh, your matchup focal point here for this offense against Colorado State? I think the uh – Main thing is execution. And by that, I mean, you know, staying on schedule with your plays. We've seen UNLV has struggled offensively. Pretty much the only thing that's been able to stop them is, is themselves. And that's cliche. But uh, negative plays that they create in the form of penalty, miscues, things like that, they, they get behind the change. That's when you maybe see some struggles for UNLV offensively. And that may be the case with every team. But I think so far this season, we can say, honestly, that that's been the only uh, flaw in their offensive uh, game plan is anytime they get behind the chains, they do have difficulty overcoming that. I don't think that they have um, have demonstrated at least a steady dose of drop back pass because there's so much more balance to their offense. So I think the key to them would just to be to execute the game plan. They don't have to play outside of themselves as a team. They don't have to do anything miraculous to win or be in ball games late. And they've proven that all season long. So uh, the big thing for Re- the Rebels is to play a clean brand of football. And I think they have the talent and uh, the scheme that will compete with just about anybody uh, on any given Saturday. And Colorado State is a unique opponent in that uh, no matter what you do as far as throwing punches and, and getting them down, there's still a, a puncher's chance. They've proven that against the, the Buffaloes earlier this season in their rival double overtime game. They didn't win it, but they were in the fight well into the evening <laughs> that night. And, and then obviously against Boise State coming back miraculously at the end. This team has fight. Uh, and the Rebels have struggled uh, at times when there's moments in games to kind of put things away and, and really blow the game open. A team like this is dangerous in that regard because if you don't throw that knockout punch, they'll keep getting up off the mat and they'll keep coming after you. Caleb, I've got to ask you, last night during the coaches' show, Coach Odom, he mentioned, hey, the getting votes in the top 25 where he just the Monday before he just goes out with all the accolades that people may have won over the weekends lets the team know all the good that's happened but you got to put it got to put it behind you and look forward to this week's matchup how do you think the team avoids a letdown when it comes to the on the defensive end we're keeping up with this Colorado State team I think the excitement of getting recognized is something that uh, this program in general, but the players in the program understand. I think they got the recognition. They saw it, even if Coach Hodum didn't say it. I'm, you know, everybody has Twitter these days, and uh, there's no sense in trying to hide those kind of breaking news stories or or exciting things from your team. So getting out and just letting it be known, celebrating it for what it's worth, but then uh, capitalizing on the sense of urgency and the hunger that that creates. I mean, it's like getting a bite of a Snickers and knowing that there's a whole Snickers waiting for you, right? Nobody likes fun size Snickers. I want the whole thing. Right now, those you know four votes towards top twenty-five in you know the nation, they're the bite-sized Snickers, and it's Halloween season, and everybody's trick-or-treating, and I defy anybody to be excited about getting a, a fun-sized Snickers. Right, the house that gives away the king size is the house you want to go to, and right now the king size is the end goal for the Rebels, which is a winning season, competing for championships. And I think, based on talking to Coach Odom at the coaches' show last night, and just his general demeanor. 
th these milestones along the way are great. They're good little pit, pit stops to kind of reset, uh, refuel the energy level. But uh, I think he's been one, uh, one goal oriented and there's a finish that he wants to get to. And he's not there yet. He's not satisfied. And more than I've seen in recent years, this team has really taken on the personality of their coach. I talking to Donovan Lester, it's like he's not at all satisfied with what has happened so far in the season. He came here for bigger things. Jackson Woodard, the other leaders on the team, they're very excited about what the end goal is, and they know that they're not there yet. One of the things that I, that really surprised me last night was your under the helmet where the featured player, he said that Coach Odom is telling us to go out and enjoy homecoming a little bit, be a part of some of the school festivities. What was it like for you homecoming week? It, to be honest, there wasn't a lot. And I, I think, you know, the, the university in the past had failed in a lot of ways in, in embracing the community, embracing Las Vegas and and really the pageantry of such things. And um, this is a university uh, that has the potential to explode here in Las Vegas. There's a community here that is willing to go crazy as far as the fan base if they're engaged in the right way. Obviously, winning has a lot to do with that, but I think this community celebrates winning in a different way than any other on the face of the earth. And that's something that makes Las Vegas unique. It, it can make it tough at times if you're not winning. But I think in the atmosphere of winning, when the Rebels as a team, both basketball, football, any other sport, when there's success, uh, the community thrives around it. And I think Coach Odom understands the whole picture in terms of that community engagement sparks other things in, in recruiting and uh, energy in the stadium, all that kind of stuff. He understands big picture what that engagement means. Uh, and he wants 30,000 plus at Allegiant Stadium on, on a routine basis. He wants that be, to become commonplace. And I think doing things like getting out there and homecoming and, and being out around uh, the players, engaging the student body and uh, engaging the community in a way that puts them uh, out on the map. And that's kind of what the Under the Helmet feature is about, is to, to get people excited about supporting Rebel football players and Rebel football as a whole. Man, that was a really good idea coming up with that huh <laughs> it sounds sounds like somebody has you know just some expertise in the realm of of what works out here so shout out to jamie t if you get didn't get the subtle hint there who, who was a part of pitching that idea this this season. No, i wasn't gonna say it i wasn't gonna say it <laughs> caleb herring with us uh okay i won't i won't re-intro caleb as a last unlv quarterback to lead them to a ball i will re-intro him as voice of the rebels and of course color analyst for unlv football uh, really quickly, I saw your retweet. Are they rocking pink and black this weekend? I tell you what, I saw the release. Uh, Coach Odom kind of hinted to me that there was something special in the works for breast cancer awareness. Obviously, October is that month uh, across the country where teams do a kind of alternate uniform or something special to honor breast cancer awareness month. Uh, and I saw the release from UNLV, the black and the pink with the matte helmets. It looks fantastic. I'm excited to see it. My mom, who is a cancer survivor, will be in attendance uh, for homecoming. And I know there's plenty of people who have been touched by cancer uh, in one way or another in their lives who who respect what October has become in the football community. Uh, UNLV doing their part with some special, special uniforms. I, I think if you're not going to be there, you got to check it out on the UNLV football social media pages. The jerseys are fire. Um, I'm excited to see what they look like in person and excited to look like see what it looks like when the team's flying around in them. Yep, and uh, very, very much uh, congratulations to Mama Herring for getting through that. So I'll ring the bell, so that's a good thing for you guys and your family. Uh, very happy for you. And uh, hopefully I can say hi to her too because I will actually be on the sidelines for you guys this weekend against Colorado State. So I'll be part of the crew one more time. Let me ask you this before we get you out of here. Caleb, you tweeted out a picture, and this is good on DeMond for reminding me about this because we made fun of you the other day. 
You tweeted out a picture of yourself painting the Fremont Cannon from a few years back. What's with the death grip on the paintbrush? What are you doing? Listen, so there's a backstory to this. My <laughs> hand, nobody even knows this. My hand actually was like fractured no. uh, during the season. So during that last season, I battled through some injuries. So my right hand, my throwing hand actually was like banged up after that. And so I, my grip was a little bit off. So I won. That was a factor. Obviously, I was nervous about not getting the, the paint job uh, wrong. But what they didn't tell me was that nothing that we did that cannon matter because they're going to take it to a real paint shop and get it professionally done. Anyway, Ooh, so I, I didn't probably know that. Really? Just being a little bit looser with it. But uh, the pageantry of it was awesome. And I, I was the first brush stroke uh, on the cannon and there was a big a big uh, commotion about it. So I was I was a little nervous. So the death grip, you know, was <laughs> was alive and well when I was painting that cannon. I had no idea. that I, I don't know why. It makes so much sense now. Because thinking back on it, I have watched players before. I'm like, God, this is so sloppy, but it always comes out so well. Oh, so they get it professionally painted. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I don't you know how they trust us with that. It's ridiculous. Of course not. <laughs> hey, by the way, show a sign of toughness. He said his hand was banged up. Uh, go back to that year. They played Nevada that year, Reno. Uh, Caleb beat him on October 26th. He still had to lead UNLV to two more wins. So how about that, huh? A warrior. Beat up hand and still went on to weed UNLV to a bowl in 2013. Caleb, it's good to talk to you, man. We're up against it. We appreciate some time, and uh, I'll see you on Saturday. All right, man. See you there. Go Rebels. Yep, you got it. Caleb Herring underscore up on X. We'll come back. Uh, we'll keep it with the local vibes because i got to tell you, you know, that's why I talk about leadership, fighting through tough times. I don't know about cl- complaining about catches when your team's on a winning streak is the way to do it. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Back here on Cofield and Company, Xavier Pope is going to be with us here in just a couple of minutes. We'll go over uh, a couple of things, including uh, some sports uh, sports fandom questions. And I do have something um, that I'm going to do tomorrow that I think is going to tickle the fancy of one Xavier Pope. has something to do with a, a dinner that I have planned with the uh, the wife and I. But wanted to open up with a little bit of news when it came to the Las Vegas Raiders and uh, what's going to happen because, of course, story around the Las Vegas Raiders is going to be whether or not one Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be available for their matchup against the Chicago Bears. And we did get official word on that today. Jimmy G has been ruled out against Chicago, will not start. One thing that is unclear at this point right now is who is going to get the start for the Las Vegas Raiders. And it's a uh, a fascinating matchup. In I do think when you look back at last week for the Chicago Bears, and I went back to rewatch the game this morning to kind of get a sense of what exactly the Bears are working with, with uh, Tyson Bajent, I think is the, the official way to pronounce it. I keep going back to, I think, was it was it Adam the other day who called it like a, called him a hobbit or was like a Lord of the Rings type name? I can't get it out of my head. Um, but regardless... Quarterback is going to be a question for the Raiders, but it's going to be a battle of the backups, whether it is going to be Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell getting this start. I think it should be Aiden O'Connell, only because, yes, while Aiden O'Connell did not look great in the the last time we saw him, we'll say, in the regular season, uh, I do think that this is, again, you want to see what you have in terms of a young quarterback on the roster. You want to develop him. You want to give him every possible chance. And even against a team like Chicago, who very much are the bottom half of the league, especially defensively, could be opportunity to give him run, uh, get him some run and see what you have as a franchise in your quarterback. But we'll have more on the football aspect of that a little bit later. 
I wanted to open up with this because I thought this was an interesting note coming out. This has been widely reported now a couple of times, but Devontae Adams, despite the fact that the Raiders have consecutive wins now, is expressing a little bit of displeasure when it comes to the workload. Nine targets for him last time out, six catches, 74 yards, uh, and we should say in the last two, over the Packers and the Patriots. The quote from Devontae Adams via the Associated Press, quote, I'm sure people are thinking they won the game, so why is there an issue? When you're a player like me, mentally my benchmark is not wins and losses, it's greatness. So when I go out there, I expect to have that ability to put that on the table and have an influence on the game. That's my purpose for being here. I came here to win and do it the right way, so if it doesn't look like it's supposed to look, then I'm going to be frustrated if I'm not part of that plan. End quote. It's interesting because this is now a stretch over the last calendar year for Devontae Adams, which he's been very vocal uh, about what's been going on with the Las Vegas Raiders, whether it be the offseason comments or, again, here, comments about what this has looked like up to this point from a workload standpoint, despite the fact that the success has been there for the Raiders, again, in wins and losses over the last couple of years. And I think initially on the surface, you could look at that and go, hey, man, you've won two straight games. How can you then come out and make those comments but I actually, the more I thought about this, and Damon, I'll ask you, the more I read this and the more I com- like thought about this comment. Look, when you, when you see the quote, when you're a player like me, mentally my benchmark is not wins and losses, it's greatness, there is, that's quite a heavy quote from Devontae Adams. You know, you can sense some ego in there. Obviously, you know, he is, and he thinks he is, a great player in this league, and you probably should have that thought. But it's not like this Raiders offense has been firing on all cylinders. As we discussed with Adam the other day, that's the first time you cracked the 20-point mark this season, and you did it courtesy of a safety. You didn't do it because of your offense. So maybe there's a different way to phrase this with the way that Adams is talking about it. Maybe you don't want to cite your own greatness and talk about that. But I do think it is I think it is somewhat disingenuous to frame this quote from Devontae Adams in the sense of, what? that's not fair. You guys have won two straight. How can you say that, Devontae, when in reality you've caught some middling and really bad opponents in really good spots and your offense has still looked like garbage in those two wins? But in fairness to the three quarterbacks that the Raiders have put on the field this season, <laughs> he is still sixth and, uh, in targets this yeah. season. So, I mean, they are trying to get him the ball. Is it his fault that – You said say- he's – He's what now in targets? I think I think he was sixth in the league. In sixth in the league. Okay, yes. I think he meant sixth on the team. No, I just no, no, want to no. clarify yes. for people because I was like, yes, Devontae Adams has a gripe. There should not be no. five other guys on this no. roster getting more more targets than him. No, sixth in the entire league. Yeah. So they are still trying to get him the ball. It's maybe let's just say the quarterback play is the reason that he's not getting the ball as well. That play, that deep bomb to Trey Tucker, that Brian Hoyer, who should be the starting quarterback this weekend, when he hit Trey Tucker, it's because the safety dropped down to double Devontae Adams, and then that left Trey Tucker over the top using his natural speed to beat the DB. Boom, Brian Hoyer delivered a pass on the money. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's the best use of Devontae Adams on a play because you are drawing so much attention that now Trey Tucker is open one-on-one. And I think, too, I'm I'm not going to speak for Devontae Adams. I feel like some of this comment was maybe not only misconstrued, but – I'm, I'm even going to say maybe I will speak for him. Maybe he misspoke to a certain extent because you go further along in what he's talking about here. He says this, quote of Jacoby, Jacoby Myers, was to go out and have a monster game where the offense was to score every five plays. It is what it is. It's not about me, but I'm one of the bigger pieces as to why this offense is going to go. So it speaks to, again, maybe not in the overall targets 
receptions, whatever. But he is the best wide receiver in the NFL, and this offense has struggled. So it's essentially saying, like, we have to figure out what's going on here. And if what and if what we're doing isn't working, and I'm not having the season that we expect, and over the last two games we have, I haven't had the statistics, maybe we got to work on, I don't know, give me the ball in different ways. Did you see this to Sean retweet? No. I'll read that now. My takeaway from Devontae Adams' comments today, he values winning above all else but knows the Raiders can't win at the level he wants to without the offense being significantly better. For the offense to be that, he needs to get the ball more. It's fairly simple. Devontae Adams went to quote tweet it, simple. Thank you, brother. Right. So, again, I think I think Devontae probably just said it in a wrong way. And I think what a lot of people will hold on to is the when you're a player like me, you don't necessarily judge like greatness by wins and losses. But if this team is going to be better, he's got to have more in terms of statistical output. Xavier Pope, lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor. He is live on Cofield & Company. No, Steve Cofield today, John Von Tobel filling in, DeMond Cotton is alongside. We welcome in Xavier now to talk uh, a, a wide range of topics. Xavier, it's good to talk to you. Thank you very much. I wanted to start with, uh, because we've talked about the baseball playoffs the last couple of weeks, we've had you on, you seem pretty in tune with this, and I saw you talking about this on social media. $20 for a ticket today to the NLCS. Can you believe this? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I said, I, I tweeted that I was surprised that Arizona has four professional sports teams. Uh, to have a fan base that just bails at the, at the end, like just expecting to get eliminated, this is uh, quite quite shocking to see. Uh, and so, but then I just saw a tweet from somebody who said there at the game and said it's pretty jam packed. So uh, we will remain to be seeing whether fans will actually show up to the game, and maybe fans that traditionally priced out of coming to a baseball game actually get the chance to come to the season playoff baseball. Yep, that would be good for them at least. So that's a positive note. I'll say this too. I've I've kind of complained about this when it comes to Major League Baseball. I mean, like you, you've got to kind of figure this out at some point, right? To have a NLCS have a 2 p.m. start in a state like Arizona, it just it doesn't make that much sense. And I saw a lot of East Coast people like be be real sports fans, call out. It's not necessarily that easy. I feel like baseball can like kind of stagger this a bit. Can we get a little bit of a larger a later start time? Yeah, you're looking at lunchtime, uh, right. which is a strange time of day to have a, ba- a, a playoff baseball game. And so I, I think that leaning so heavily towards uh, the East Coast start time definitely has done damage in terms of the viewership of West Coast sports across various sports as well. So um, I think that, that it's ironic that that, that happens and when you have a cross-country game uh, and, and it's just being displayed right now. Uh, right now it is scoreless. We are at the bottom of the third inning in the game in game three of the NLCS between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Philadelphia Phillies. All right, a couple of things I wanted to hit with you. First of which is uh, we get the news the other day: Goodell has been extended by the National Football League. You know, I, I saw a lot of. I, I guess there was some surprise, right? Like, why would they do this? What? Why wouldn't? Yeah, exactly, right? Like, why wouldn't they do this with Goodell and what he's been able to do for that league? They're making money over fist. The NFL is is one of the most profitable sports leagues in the world. Uh, it dwarfs the next profitable league uh, by a, a long margin in terms of, of viewership, in terms of dollars, franchise values. What's happened since Roger Goodell has become commissioner of, of the National Football League is, has been about making sure the NFL expands his brand and makes tons of money. That has happened. Roger Goodell's salary has gone up significantly as a result. 
He is not going anywhere. People are talking about him retiring at the end of this next period of time for him. Uh, yeah, that's up to Roger Goodell, though, because right now uh, he just got signed, new deal, uh, and frankly, he deserves it. Why are they? Why would people be upset by this too? In that, like, I guess I think there's a lot of people who look at the view or look at the league right uh, with a pretty even keeled view, and so like there are things that Goodell has decided to do when it comes to you know punishment of players, decisions to handle cases of domestic violence that he should be chastised for. But the common fan, I don't think, really cares about that. Like, I've always wondered what the common fan really thinks about commissioners. Do they think it's just popular to hate the guy? Because I don't know if a, a common NFL fan would really care about all those things and thus not even have any reason to hate him. If fan like or dislike of the commissioner determine whether they were commissioner or not, Gary right. Bettman would not be the commissioner right. of the National Hockey League right now. So let's make that abundantly clear. Uh, it doesn't really matter whether the fans actually like the guy or gal. It's whether the league is making money and staying away from scandals that are that are taking away from the sport. Uh, Roger Goodell was at his most shaky uh, during um, the, the the during the concussion related yep. issues with the league. That, that to me, that was the time where Roger Goodell he was on the rocks in terms of where he he might go. Uh, he was able to survive that. Once he was able to survive one of the biggest issues that ever happened in the sport, uh, he's been failing ever since. Xavier Pope, lawyer, host of Student News on X at Xavier Pope. Uh, let's stick with football really quickly. Uh, how you feeling? Uh, I think I felt like I was texting Steve because he is out. But I was like, ah, I don't know, man. Do we have Xavier on this week? It's Bears Raiders week, and I feel like we're kind of yeah. flirting with the enemy here. How you feeling about this matchup? Now we get Tyson uh, Bagent. Uh, it was going to be the starting quarterback for your Chicago Bears. How you feeling? Man, well, you got two uh, backups going to yep. be playing that game. Uh, it might be Brian Hoyer. It might be uh, another guy uh, with Jimmy G being ruled out for the game. So uh, that's going to be – that might be some of the worst football you see. I mean, bad, there was bad football last week. Um, you might see worse football in this Raiders-Bears game. Um, uh, the Bears aren't particularly good. I, I, I don't really know how good the Raiders actually are. They've been kind of inconsistent in certain spots um, in terms of line, uh, of team continuity. Um, but that's going to be an ugly game. Look forward to an ugly game. Xavier, one thing we say around Raider Nation is we don't give fish back. We don't apologize for winning over here. That's what Coach Josh (laughs) McDaniel said, okay? So we're not going to apologize for how many bad quarterbacks. A dub is a dub. Exactly. (laughs) But, Xavier, I did want to ask. (laughs) Go ahead. Brian Brian Hoyer also, he he played for both the Bears and Raiders, so he has a resume with both teams. He's got a resume with a lot of teams, the, the, the quintessential journeyman out there in the league. I've got to ask you, Xavier, how many times could I fake a heart attack at a restaurant before they, they catch on to the scam? And how do they know I am faking all these heart attacks? Well, uh, I don't know if you're going to join Elizabeth, uh, like Fred Sampson, <laughs> but 20 times. Uh, there was a guy over in Spain, uh, He 20 times he was able to elude um, the bill by faking a heart attack every time the bill came up. This time he bought two whiskeys and some some paella, and he wasn't. And the bill was about thirty five bucks. Uh, it, it, he said that he left and left his money in a hotel. They wouldn't let him leave. He faked the heart attack instead of calling the ambulance. They called the cops. Uh, lucky uh, they were chatter in terms of police spreading the word about him. So they had some prior knowledge that he potentially could be. Uh, a phony. Uh, and luckily, uh, he wasn't uh, being. He was being a phony because that could have cost him a lot of money. But now, rendering some some sort of aid. But uh, twenty times. I want to know where you're going to get two whiskeys and paella for only thirty bucks. It's actually kind of a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an amazing. Uh, 
I'm like the meme from Futurama. Take my money. Because uh, <laughs> if I'm paying only 35 bucks for the paella and a couple of whiskeys, where they are, where, how many stars do they have? And also, how hard up are you that you can't get two whiskeys <laughs> in a paella? You got a fake heart attack. <laughs> like, I, I guess I guess if the grift is working, you got to keep going, but you're in a tough spot if you can't afford it. All right, so speaking of this, I wanted to share this with you, Xavier, because I feel like you'd be in on this. Uh, so my wife and I have been very busy. Our anniversary um, was a couple of weeks ago, but we're finally getting out tomorrow night for our anniversary dinner. We're going to a local spot out here. It is dinner in the dark, so we are going to eat in pitch black darkness. But and I think you'll be you'll be you you were on my side a couple of weeks ago when I told you I, sh- I shifted over to a oat milk. It is a fully vegan menu, so I'm very much right. looking forward to this. But it's going to be sensory overload, eating in the dark with my wife and a full vegan menu. Are you down with an experience like this? I'm down for the experience, but I want to say be careful of trying to feed one another. You might feed someone else's uh, date. <laughs> I'll save that for when we get home. I'll save that for when we get home. We're stopping by and getting something. Uh, all right, Xavier Pope with us. Let, let's get you out of here. we got a couple more minutes. I wanted to hit this with you. So the Aces last night win the WNBA Finals again. And I wanted to hit two things with you, but first of which is, can, can we crap on the league a little bit here? I'll, I'll tie in what we talked about with the NLCS. The scheduling, like how has the WNBA not figured this out at this point? There's so many of these games during the WNBA Finals that are on during like peak NFL hours, things like that. H- how have they not figured out trying to put the sport in the best position possible to get as many, as many viewers as possible? Yesterday was a little bit better, but I found it hard to pay attention to this series when so many of the spots, they were in such bad situations for somebody like me who's got to pay attention to some of these other sports. You know, I, I think this sport has come a long way. Mm-hmm. And in the last couple of years, uh, you just saw Andrew Reese trying to deal with Reebok after Shaq and AI starts to hit up the basketball division there. Uh, women's basketball is continuing to expand. It's going to put the pressure um, to be able to create the spots for the, the league to be successful. So I think that's something to be uh, to cel- be, be celebrated at this point where the Aces are. People know who they are. They know how good they've been all year and how, and how great of a team they are. They're bringing more to the women's basketball. I think that's a big thing. Yeah, and I, I hope that there is – I think it's coming. It's getting kind of corny, though, checking in on every highlight for WNBA games and the Aces games and seeing, like, one of the things that was trending on TikTok was Jordan Poole's 40-point game in the preseason under a lot of the WNBA highlights. Like, it's corny, and at some point it's got to come to an end. It's so weird that there are people who continue to try to push this. Like, ah, it doesn't matter. The numbers really make a lot of these people look like idiots. It's growing by the day. Absolutely, and I think that uh, you, you're always going to have some meatheads that are going to be uh, anti-women, uh, but – the fact is that half the you know, sports fans are women, and they have a really big uh, space to grow from, and that's what makes uh, this is a, a formidable league that's going to be continuing to draw fans uh, and become continue to become a mainstream sport. Xavier, before we get you out of here, what's going on? Suit up news? Anything else you got going? Uh, this weekend, uh, I am getting prepared for Halloween, yeah. uh, and I will, I will say, make sure you don't eat candy corn or black licorice. Wow, we the you good op- advice. No, you open a can of worms. I love candy corn, but we're up against. We got a hard out. I can't get into this. Maybe next week. Good to talk to you, Xavier. Thank you. Love you guys. Love you too. See, there we go. It's not that hard. Demond, one day you got to wish him love, huh? Well, he's gone, but love you, Xavier.